This show is proudly part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. Head on over to www.giantsizeteamup.com and check out all the other cool shows. What? Is that it? Well, yeah, Charles. What the hell are you doing in my house? What? Is that all the advertisement? You're supposed to... T- what, what about the crazy antics and all the uh, all the other stuff? I'm the rock kind of podcast. You need to talk about me, man. I, I'm kind of busy this week. I don't really have time. I'm supposed to be streaming tonight. The rock god doesn't give a shit about that. You need to be talking about Toy Power, The Blazing Defender Report, Breaking the Panel, Pokemon Go Podcast, FTH Beyond, and Geek Versus. And most importantly, you need to be talking about the rock kind of podcast with Charles McFall. I, like, I, I'm sorry. This week, I just don't have time for one of the crazy ads with the music and the sound effects and all that stuff. Next week, you'll get another one of those. It's fine. Wait, what are you doing? I'm taking them off my belt. Why? Because I'm going to beat you like I beat my kids. You're going to get back in the recording studio. You're going to make me my goddamn ad. I expect the same out of you as I expect the people who make my clothes. I'll get in there and fucking do it. Now! These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we talk about all the awesome stuff and some of the not-so-awesome stuff in the week of fandom. I'm Rock Gotta Podcasting, Charles McFall, the man, the myth, the Super Mario legend, Paul Klotz. Why, every time, Phil's Mario. Look at your fucking shirt. I, I know, but Phil is Mario. Fucking, okay. hey, attention. Phil is Mario in the flesh, okay? Not anymore. He shaves the, he's dead to me when he shaves a mustache. That's true. More like suck Luigi with that mustache off. Speaking of Phil, how you doing tonight, Phil? You dumb motherfucker. Let me educate both your dumb ass. And joining us tonight, special <laughs> guest is Dennis <laughs> Robinson from Bot. Here's the thing, you dumb. <laughs> <Phil>. <laughs> I wish I had that in real life, Charles. Can you teach me to do that somehow? You have a fist, don't you? It's it's too greasy. It just like slides right in and out. Just learn your pod wife. Learn her good. Okay. Always, always keep Nerf doors around. That's all I'm saying. That's how Nerf doors. You walked into a Nerf door. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Very clumsy walking into doors all the time. (laughs) I know Dennis. You've been on before, and we are glad to have. No, I've. I don't think I've ever actually been on a normal episode of BTP. I've only ever been on the roundtables. Yeah. So, Klotz, what, what, we'll get to talk after the show, Klotz. You, you're booking badly then. <laughs> now you broke the chain. But, Dennis, you've been hanging out with us on Sunday nights playing some Borderlands. Yes, sadly. It's a live-action step-by-step process to killing oneself. <laughs> this is 13 Reasons Why, but in real time. In real time. <laughs> is uh, Kurt reading excerpts from your book, uh, like Reasons 7 and 8? And 9 or- and 10. Yeah, I think it's one through twelve, <laughs> and then just being around you people is thirteen. That's just that's just putting me over the edge. Fair enough. If I wasn't drunk last week. I've been sick. <laughs> God damn it! I heard your show, and somebody who's drunk doesn't send a text message at five forty-five in the morning. But it's good to be back. Thanks for having me, uh, to, to Charles. How are you? <laughs> good. Sorry, I just wanted to finish my intro. I wasn't. I was drunk at you last week, which is I don't know. I don't remember who said that, but that was fucking hilarious. That was that was you, Klotz. Yeah, yeah uh, my buddy came out and watched. Uh, he's like, "That was the greatest thing ever." You need to change your own screen name. It's like, well, nobody sees my name on screen. We'll do this thing, okay? Uh, but yeah, drunk at you was was great. We have got some headlines to jump into, and when the f- 
first reboot of Ghostbusters came out, right? All female. We talked about that. We talked about how Leslie Jones had to leave Twitter because people were just going crazy and, and judging things before they came out. Right, Klotz? Mm-hmm. And now the shoe is on the other foot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so basically, Sony Pictures announced last week that it uh, had tapped Jason Reitman to direct an all-new Ghostbusters that would follow the timeline of the 1984 original. And uh, he's a two-time Oscar nominee, a son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first Ghostbusters and the sequel, Ghostbusters 2. So it's like, basically, it's this is arguably picking up the torch of the original two films and carrying it forward. We just don't know what they're going to do with, with it. There was, a, there, there was two different Ghostbusters projects that were pitched when the one of them being the all-female cast that actually got yep. But the other one was that thing of handing off the torch. Which I love the idea. I, I, I would have loved to end the all female cast. I don't care. I like I just like the continuity idea mm-hmm. of it. But that's not what happened. But now they're going back to or they being the studios, somebody's going back to that idea. So so Leslie Jones had some strong feelings and she posted the Twitter uh so insulting. Like, fuck us. We didn't count. It's like something Trump would do. I don't know what that has to do with Ghostbusters, but she goes in parentheses, Trump voice, gonna redo Ghostbusters, better with men, will be huge. Those women ain't Ghostbusters. Ugh, so annoying. Such a dick move. And I don't give a fuck. I'm saying something. And she clarified her remarks on Sunday saying, I'm allowed to have my feelings. Um, yeah. Well, so when I first saw this hit, my initial response was, so your film got literally bombarded with negative press and hate and everything before it even saw the light of the day. And I'm sorry. I want you to keep going. I just want you to know I have a point to make after this. I don't want to forget. So just remember to call me my hands up. All right. Okay. And you know, you and your co-stars and the people behind the production were like, listen, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Trust us. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. And then the trailers started coming out and, you know, the trailers gave people a certain perception. That was when I was initially turned off to the whole idea. And, you know, as time went on, there was a lot of publicity and everything. And ultimately your movie comes out. It underperforms in the box office. It underperforms critically. Now, I even said at the time, because I went to see it, it was way better than I expected it to be. It was a good time. It just wasn't, for me, it wasn't something I cared to watch again. You know, and one of my big sticking points was that it was kind of a beat for beat, complete rehash of the first film. Yeah. You know, with some quirky changes. But like, for the most part, it was like beat for beat for a lot of the plot. The thing is, and here's my point. And this is why I think Leslie Jones is hypocritical and you guys can chime in right after this. The surviving three Ghostbusters, Murray, Aykroyd, and uh, Hudson, supported the project. They all had cameos in the film. They all said great things. So that these people that have more skin in the game than anybody else were supportive of your, you, you know, your reboot, your reimagining, your gender bend cast, the whole thing. 
and now they're they're picking up the torch that that you know with a uh, they're going to try again and try to do it differently and now you want to shit on the new project are you fucking kidding me come on <laughs> come on and it, it's literally because it's ignoring what she did uh because she's talking about oh dick move guys will make it better and the point i wanted to make was i'm reading this going wait it's gonna follow four teenagers two boys and two girls and yes it's not gonna make any reference to 2016 but that happens to male driven movies all the time how many movies don't count in things go ahead phil they forgot about the originals when they didn't fucking reference the originals at all at all yeah Right, and that was their choice not to do a sequel. They wanted to do a rebranding, a re, a you know, a retelling of a story, which is fine. It's fine that you did that. Sigourney Weaver came out. Even fucking Ivan Reitman produced and did a cameo in the movie. But that was your choice, and, and the production team, and 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 whoever wrote, you know, the 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 one I forget her name, but the lady who wrote the movie. That was their choice to say, yeah, we're not part of that beginning. So it's the choice of the new production team, the new writing staff, the new people in production to say, yeah, we want to be part of that story. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah, it's, I, Paul, I agree with you. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of silly. I mean, it really is because that's, you're co- completely right, Paul. It's like, you know, it's not like Murray, Aykroyd and Hudson were like, now we're good. Now do it without us. Uh, fuck you. Eat it, you know. Fuck yeah. off. Ramus made an appearance in a, as a statue, right? I mean, they had a <laughs> him in the statue. Yeah. yeah, you know. Uh, um, and this this new film is going to be directed by Jason Reitman, who happens to be the son That's, of Ivan Reitman. He's yeah. one of my favorite directors. I love him. I love him so much, man. You know? um, when I saw this fucking come out i like i fucking had ectoplasm all over my pants that's how fucking crazy <laughs> it like thank thank you for smoking it's one of my favorite oh he did thank time. you for smoking it was his first film oh i, I love was, that movie yeah man and so I, i'm just i'm stoked so, so one of the other things i want to pick out of her follow-up response here leslie jones said uh she goes it might feel that boys are better and it makes my heart drop wasn't the whole selling point and hook of your film that girls are better? Yeah. Like, wasn't that the whole argument that we're going to, we're going to do an all female, like, and it wasn't the female cast. Arguably the cast mm. was solid. It, I, I don't think it was the cast that it was brought the that writing. Film. I would say it was, it was the writing. It was the overall plot. It was yeah. the fact that yeah. it lifted its overall structure from the original, but didn't reference it well. And it, yeah, but the, just, the the humor is totally different from that. Like in the original yeah. Ghostbusters, the humor is more dry, tongue in cheek, like that type of thing. This one, yeah. it's like a bunch of it's it's more modern humor, like oh, queef jokes and fart jokes and yeah, well, that like, actually comedy. You know, like, the, eh, it's not the I'm, same thing. I'm looking at this right, and yeah. I looked up the 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 lady who wrote this. It was um, Katie Dippold. Uh, Dippold. Dippold, yeah, Dippold, which she has serious fucking writing credits, you know. She she did Heat, which was a good, uh, well-received movie. She did Spy, which made m- people think that Melissa McCarthy could actually act. Yes, she and then and then and then this came out, and she co-wrote this with Paul Feig. So 
I'm just wondering, she also wrote for Parks and Recreation. These are good, good writing um, uh, blocks that you could put down on a career, which makes me wonder how many rewrites the studio had on this original. That's what I, was gonna say. I would say it was mostly like Sony. From yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, uh, uh, man, I, 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 what's, what's the phrase you use, Paul? It's just not a good look for Leslie Jones right now. You know, it seems, it seems really petty. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, okay. So I'm trying to think of like a good example of a film that like, that got, like I said, like completely bombarded by negative press before it came out and then it was great. The Warcraft and, movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, I well actually. Okay. Um, perfect example is Venom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That get hit. People hard. did nothing but talk shit about Venom until it came out. And then when it came out, they still talk shit. That movie broke a billion fucking dollars. Yeah. It didn't Ghostbusters like the new one didn't only make like 200 some million. Or 229 million. It's not that great. Well, yeah. it beat its budget, but not with, you know, advertising, you know, the right. advertisement. Yeah. So like it and, and, money and that's what you have to do at the end of the day. Right. And a lot of people would argue that Venom is not a great movie and I would not argue with them because right. yeah. I enjoyed it. It's fun. But and that's the thing. Sometimes you don't have to have a masterpiece. Sometimes you don't have. We'll get to this in a second. Sometimes you don't have to have a Black Panther and Infinity War, but yeah. you got to have something. And not enough people felt like you had something. This movie was given away like six months after it came out on Blu-ray through Vudu. Like when they merged uh, Vudu with Movies Anywhere, they gave it to people for free. Yeah, it didn't perform well. Like they had to give people this movie to get them to watch it. Okay, yeah. it's it, it and uh, the the my initial response. I was talking about this with some friends. I said it's not their fault. Like it's not the cast fault. They did you know they showed up. They did their job. They had good moments. You know I laughed at all of them. It just didn't work out. It's not a fuck you to move on with the franchise and do something different. Just like you know this will get heated. Star Wars. If you hate the Last Jedi like Dennis does, it's the best movie of all time. <laughs> Is it yeah. nine, nine out of ten? Nine out of ten. <laughs> the trigger, the yeah, automatic yeah. trigger. They yeah, just, no, no, yeah, nine out of ten. It was good. I completely agree with Paul. You got me, Paul. It was a good movie. Well, no. So in Dennis's <laughs> case, <laughs> Last Jedi. In my case, let's say Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace. I can look at those films. And like I'll always defend in Phantom Menace. There are great moments, but as a whole, I hate that film. Like it, it fucking drives me crazy. Um, I, in particular, I talk about some of the tense moments with Darth Maul. I'm like, oh, it's great. It, the, the fighting in hindsight, K, Casey pointed out to me that I should rewatch those fights and they're terrible. <laughs> they're embarrassingly bad. Like once it's pointed out to you, it's like, oh no, it's so bad. But um, yeah, like the, so you can have a project where in the, and you know, those are, they did well, but you know, the prequels did well, but a lot of people have a lot of gripes with them. You can still pull out moments and be like, Hey, this person really nailed it. This other person did a good job. I, I don't think Hayden Christensen's necessarily a bad actor, but he God, gets, he's a fucking bad actor. He might be, but he, so I haven't seen him. a movie. He was good in. Cause I can't, no. he was okay. in jumper. Mm. I was okay. I would say okay, but same all Jack. But 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 the failure of Attack of the Clones and that 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 pivotal scene where he talks about sand—that's not his fault. 
Well, okay. That was writing. That's that's writing and directing. So, so much you can do with the material. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. The franchise would be better if he came back. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so my point is, you know, it's, he came it, back with the full helmet on. Yeah, no, that's not what we're talking, talking about. Talking about George Lucas. Talking about Papa uh, George. No, Bill, that's not even a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucas Demon. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> that's what the internet wants. Yeah, that's, say, that's not a joke. That's what they wanted. I would have, I would have to go and, and get a movie service to actually watch that. If I, I, I wish I could do a good George Lucas impression so I could do the George Lucas Demon. <laughs> oh, I could do it. <laughs> your, your salacious crumb is much better. <laughs> uh but yeah no so leslie jones it's not your fault but you shouldn't be upset they're, they're not gonna do another one of yours you know what's gonna be the fucking nail in the coffin that's just gonna break everybody is when they get rick moranis to come back for this oh <laughs> holy oh. shit well it, so that was actually something i pointed out that is entirely missing from the reboot the 2016 film they didn't do any of the Gozer, the the right. Master Gatekeeper stuff. That could have been hilarious, especially with Chris Hemsworth in their cast. You know, they, they did reference it at the very end. Yeah, Gozer underscore music. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. Anyways, well, fuck them. They're gonna ruin my childhood. They can all die in a fire. I can't wait for it to fucking crash and burn, and I'll be the first one in line to tell you I told you so. Okay. I got into a fight on a date because of that movie. Yeah, we don't have (laughs) really did it. Patreon.com. Watch podcast. Like you know, I think most your dates end in some kind of fight. Uh, But I I I did enjoy the new Ghostbusters. Uh, Is it was fun. It was not Ghostbusters at all but if you hadn't seen the other ones it's fun but it felt like a saturday night live movie right when they yeah. roxbury or something they're not horrible they have their moments it's enjoyable but it's not a movie that's going to hold up or be good so you're saying it's on par with pat i haven't mm. actually seen Pat. i hated that character <laughs> i did uh but I, maybe it's better than pat i don't i refuse to watch that film paul about the student smalley movie Pat was rough. Pat, 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 Pat was pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Well, you brought up some great movies. Uh, one of them being Black Panther, still getting nominated for stuff, which is amazing because Hollywood, if you're not two weeks old, they forget who the fuck you are. And Black Panther has actually hit their one, almost their one year mark, right? For giving us not yep. quite there yet, but it's been, it was released in spring of last year, which was Marchish. April? It was February. Oh, it was February. Okay, so I was closer than I thought it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the the big news here is they they've been in, the film's been nominated for six different Academy Awards, but the, the real news is motherfucking Best Picture. Ba-da-da-da. Right oh, now, uh, they're not going to win. <laughs> All right, let's just be real. But but even getting the nom is a huge huge deal. Um. That's what really? Simple Jack told me. <laughs> uh, really big, really big deal. Uh, they also got nominated for Best Original Music Score, which went to Ludwig Gronson, which is uh, T- Childish Gambino, Donald Glover's uh, production partner. He's the guy behind the, 
the production of the last few childish albums, including Redbone, all that funky, funky soul stuff. Um, best costume design uh, for Ruthie Carter, the head designer. Uh, best sound mixing, best production design, best sound editing. Um, I personally think best original score has a chance. That was a really good score. Um, I don't think they're going to get best picture though. I would love, absolutely love it if they did just to, to lend some legitimacy to superhero films. But, and I also, I would love to see it just to see the, these highbrow turning their chin up at people, uh, people in Hollywood who have been like bitching about superhero films for the last few years, just to see them go absolutely insane. Like they would just, their heads would explode. And they'd be so pissed; it would be glorious. I, I, I want, I want to see Black Panther lose for only one reason. I want to you see fucking Kanye. No, 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 no! I want to see Kanye storm the stage. <laughs> <laughs> but Black Panther was the best goddamn Oscar film ever. Oh, I can't wait till they um, mistakenly give it to Black Panther. Oh. <laughs> but it was actually supposed to go to Black Klansman. <laughs> Which, speaking of, all right. So this is your nominees: Bohemian Rhapsody. Black Panther, The Favorite, which I have never heard of. Black Klansman, Green Brook, which I've never heard of. Vice, I've never heard of. A Star is Born, which looked like hot shit, and this is like the fifth remake of that movie. And Roma, which I've never heard of. It's going to go to one of the never heard of films, I'm sure. Well, Vice is about Dick Cheney, where Christian Bale gained a hundred, or I'm sorry, six hundred and forty-five pounds, so he could play Dick Cheney. <laughs> Black Klansman is a Spike Lee joint that has Adam well, Driver. That one, yeah. yeah. I know Black Klansman. I don't know Roma. Nobody knows Roma. Okay, uh, you said by Greenbrook. What do you know? What Greenbrook's about? Mm-hmm. What's that one about? Yeah. Okay. Thank <laughs> you, Tony Peter. <laughs> And then the favorite is another one I haven't heard of. Yeah. Yep. So there will be a superhero winning best picture, but it will be in best animated when Spider Verse takes down Pixar oh, yeah. for best fucking animated movie. I think you're pretty right about that. I'm, so I'm not, not going to run through this whole list, but I do have Variety's list of all the noms up here. Um, We'll hit lead actor and lead actress because one of these is particularly relevant to you, Charles. Lead actor, uh, Christian Bale for Vice, where he plays Dick Cheney. Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. Willem Dafoe for Ad Eternity's Gate. Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. And Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. My pick there is probably Rami. I think he's probably going to get it. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody as a film has some historical accuracy issues, but his performance is pretty stellar like i i had a hard time separating him from you know the real person in my mind for a while after i watched that movie yeah uh, and he lip singed how dare he not sing oh, the yeah. greatest singer of all yeah. time <laughs> how dare he act how dare he do his job and act uh, um my, my favorite thing about that real quick is that um he wasn't a big queen fan and only knew about two songs of queen before he took the game oh wow that's awesome yeah, now he probably hates him because he's had to listen to it's about the a greatest times. band. Right? Am I? Am I not? I, and to address the historical inaccuracies, that was the band's choice. They wanted to leave. Uh, everybody knows some of the dark stuff that happened. They wanted yeah. to leave a more how they remember him, right? So they wanted. Well, to yeah, some of it, some of it's timetable issues and whatnot, though. And what, one of the big things that got called out was his relationship with his wife, um, which is yeah. I mean, it's a tragic situation but anyways uh lead actress uh yalitza aparicio for roma well done 
Glenn Close for The Wife, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Forever Forgive Me? How the, what world do we live in? Where universe, where Blackie Panther gets a best picture now. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. Josh, you sounded funny there for a second. <laughs> yeah. And Melissa got it. Fucking McFarley gets done. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, she can act her ass off. That's why she's lost so much weight. She's been acting her ass off, man. She's awesome. Oh man. Uh sorry, I just I had to. Um I always mispronounce his name for supporting actor uh, Marshala Ali for Green Book. That's uh, also known as Cottonmouth from uh, Luke Cage. Adam Driver for Black Klansman. Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born. Ooh, they no- they nominated the- a white guy from a movie called Black Klansman. Mm, I- I- there might be some. You got to keep all white guys happy somehow. Yeah. Uh, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Sam Rock- Rockwell for Vice. He plays GW. Uh, supporting actress is Amy Adams for Vice, uh, Marina de Tavira for Roma, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, Emma Stone for The Favorite, and Rachel Wise for The Favorite. So um, those, those are some of the big ones. Director Spike Lee, uh, Paul Polakowski, Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, Alfonso Cuaron, and Adam McKay for Vice. So basically, Black Klansman, The Favorite, Roma, and Vice got all the nominations the yeah, noms all across but yeah animated feature uh incredibles 2 isle of dogs no Mariah, ralph breaks the internet and spider-man into the spider-verse i'm gonna say this right now i'm gonna make a bold prediction it's gonna be spider-man because if it's not riot like oh, spider it's gonna be that shithole isle of dogs oh uh, no yo 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 it could be and it would be the cool thing is that that would be Wes Anderson's first Oscar. Oh, God, you and your Wes Anderson. Propaganda. <laughs> but no, it's got to go to Spider-Verse. Uh, Spider-Verse uh, yeah. has just- I didn't see Incredibles or Wreck-It Ralph's. I, I'm not sure about Spider-Man. Was Nobody there. did. I, I mean, not- some people did, but I did, neither one of them did as well as expected, I don't believe. Oh, they didn't make any money? Mm-hmm. Incredibles but- did, but also... Um, I saw Incredibles in theaters. Did it live up to the 12 or 28 year hype? Yeah, it was all right. But I kind of want to see someone else than Pixar to win Best Animated. So That's fair. And I think this is the year it's going to happen. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, that or Wreck-It Ralph. I'm a fan of the series. Yep. And uh, I'll be watching Incredibles hits at the end of this month. I think it is on Netflix. On MoviePass. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what? I was gonna say, do not summon him. The power of Dennis compels you. The power of Dennis compels. Give you. me your dollars and watch films that are out on streaming services. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. I have the voice to yell at you, but go back to where you came from, Dennis. Oh, oh. <laughs> back to cam girling. <laughs> but the big news. The big news, of course, is the Black Panther. Yeah, well, I, in fandom, it's big news. Uh, it lends a lot of legitimacy to, you know, superhero films. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I do think it's the Academy's attempt to quell some of their recent accusations, you know, the accusations against them about, you know, not favoring Black-centric yeah, entertainment. Yeah, I was say, do you think it's the, hey, I have one Black friend. I got a Black friend. Look, it's Black Panther. I got one Black friend. 
because Black Panther is an incredible cultural achievement. But if we're talking actual structure and quality of the film itself, Infinity War is the better film. Yeah. That's that's where I get kind of eh on that because I'm like, that movie wasn't that much better than a bunch of other comic book movies, especially Infinity War. But I'm just like, there there were better ones that weren't nominated. If they gave it to yeah. that one, eh, there were, I mean, it had moments, but there was just too many things wrong yeah, or just okay about it. That movie can stand alone. Yeah, that's it true. Can absolutely stand alone by itself and not have to have any you know, 10 years of help to keep that elevated like some of the other movies do. Some I, of them, not all of them. I, I think it's a, it's a fine pick. I mean, how many are allowed into Best Picture now? It's nine, ten, right? I don't know. Google gave yeah. me six. No, mm. so yeah, best, best Picture was eight. eight. <laughs> no, but I mean, they're allowed to have oh. uh, nine or ten, so it's not even like it was a pity pick where it's like the last pick, let's just give it to Black Panther. You know, they could have they could have done more, but they said, you know, these are our top our top eight. So I do want to give a shout out to uh Olivia Coleman, her nom for actress there. Uh she's a British actress that's been on a ton of great stuff. She's been really low key, but in some of the best things to come out of the UK for many years. So I'm rooting for her in her category. That would be be dope. That'd be a really big win for her. She's great. But yeah. That so, being said. Charles, have you watched any sweet trailers lately? You no. Know? I Christmasism right here, so I fucking did. And uh, I dropped Christmasism crazy with that shit, but I definitely watched this Far From Home teaser, uh, the real one this time, Phil. And <laughs> <laughs> that's really a Patreon callback because that didn't make it to the podcast. Uh, but yeah, and unfortunately, there are some people who did some really good knockoff trailers that that hooked us in a little bit, but we figured it out before we brought it to the air. Uh, but Spider-Man, Far From Home, a teaser trailer. It looks great. What's better is the meme that's floating around of Thanos going, you know, snaps finger, kill Spider-Man. Far From Home trailer released. Do you think I'm a joke? <laughs> <laughs> that, that meme. Uh, but this looks, it looks as good as every other Spider-Man film since Holland's come around. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's got some really cool design. Um, the, the basic plot so far is we know he's going to Europe with on a class trip and wants to go hang out with his friends and then shit breaks out while he's overseas. And, uh, well, he gets tapped by Fury, doesn't he? Yep. Nick Fury's yeah. in it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going through the trailer quick to just touch on what's in the trailer. We don't Without do phrasing anymore, Phil. It's not phrasing. I got things. I got things to say. Uh, but the, so, Okay. They've got a big amorphic dude that shows up a couple times. Like he seems to be comprised of water in one scene, but a different, possibly well, a different yeah. material. Another Travis scene. was saying those could be all different characters because there is like, um, or Sandman, there is Hydro Man. I forget yeah. what he said. Molten Man, I think is the one. I forget but, what the other ones are. Or, no- or their illusions. Well, that's, yeah, because Mysterio fights one of them. Yeah. And Mysterio, of course, is uh, Ray Mysterio uh, Jr. Got it. Yeah, yes! <laughs> played by none other than the the Jarhead. Uh, oh fuck, what's his name? 
Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jarhead is the movie you pull out. <laughs> yeah. That is you random, Par. You oh, that is random. <laughs> Not quite random, but. You must uh, have broke your back to get that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, that was a little Donnie Darko of the, 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 the Prince of Persia uh, is, is yeah, Mysterio. Tomorrow, you'll get there. So I'm stoked, man. I, I love Mysterio as a character. And the idea that, you know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is going to have to deal with him sounds great. Uh, they, they did show the, the alternate costume, the like all dark costume, the black. The noir costume? No, it's uh, it's like well, a, it, lo- it looks similar to it's a sneaking suit, but it, it does kind of look like the noir yeah. costume a little bit. Without um, the fedora. Without the fedora or Nick Cage. What they've shown in Mysterio so far looks a little bit more like Shazam which is kind of funny. Um, so I don't know if he's going to rock the uh, fish globe at some point, which would be incredible. It's in, if the, it's in the trailer. I'm pretty sure there is a, a shot. I'm almost positive where you see the fish, the fish ball. I'm awesome. a stereo. Yeah. I oh, yeah. So. yeah you oh yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. yeah when they initially show Gyllenhaal, uh, he, he doesn't have the helmet on. So, yeah. but he, yeah, without the helmet, he definitely looks like Shazam to me a little bit. Um, but Yeah. Like, uh, it, it seems really good. It seems like it's going to be more of the goodness that we've come to expect. Obviously, MJ's in it as well. Um, there's a great, <laughs> great line where Peter's like, oh, you're pretty. And she's like, oh, so I have worth because you think I'm pretty. Yeah. And he, he's like, ah, uh, uh, and she's <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. Thank you. You're pretty, too. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking of Jake Gyllenhaal puns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. I can't wait for this to come out. It comes out in July. Uh, it comes out July 5th, July 4th. Pretty quick. Yeah. 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 And I, I, and I get the marketing measure, but I'm irritated. I'm irritated that, yes, we know Spider-Man is going to come back. Shut up, Phil. We know Spider-Man is going to come back because you just signed it. We just got it back. You're not going to actually kill him off. But fucking let us get past what actually is going to happen. An end game before you fucking start promoting movies. That well, that's not well, that's how the cool. that's not how the industry works. Es- especially not because Sony is trying really fucking hard to build their own universe right now. Yeah. Like they're they're really trying to fire on all. I, just, I know it just it. That. What if it takes place that, between Homecoming and Infinity War? That's what a lot of people are talking about. Now, now you have that where this is between Homecoming and Infinity War. There's other things that people are talking about right now, which would blow my mind fucking com- completely. But there are a couple things that I want to touch on in this trailer. That this is um, taking place inside the Soul Stone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Sorry. I know he's, he's got, but I want to know what would blow Philip's mind. I killed Phil. <laughs> so, um, if you look closely during the trailer, during the hydro scene, the boat in the back says, um, you know, like the boat moniker is ASM 212, which is Amazing Spider-Man issue 212, which was the first appearance of Hydro Man. Mm-hmm. So people are like, all right, well, that's a little uh, a little telling. Uh, one of the hotels in the, in the trailer um, is named after... Um, D. Martius, who um, wrote the entire storyline to Craven's Last Hunt, which is another big pivotal part of Spider-Man history. Um, and then you actually see Stark building 
in construction in the back of one of these scenes where he's swinging by Baxter building, maybe. But the thing that is blowing my mind a little bit about all of this is that a lot of people, and this is probably speculation because I think this is too deep, but a lot of people are saying that's not um, Samuel L. Jackson playing um, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. It's a scroll. That's the chameleon. Oh, who is the oh. villain? Who is the actual? Well, wait, we gotta villain. go to break so we can touch ourselves. All right. Okay. Ah, that would be so dope. Who's who would be the actual villain? Because with Mysterio, you don't know if he's good or bad. They've had times where he's a, a bad guy, but he's also helped out. So he has this fluid relationship with Spider-Man, but not the chameleon. No, so he's a murderer. And it, it kind of seems weird that they would not only let Spider-Man leak that he made it through the end game, but that, you know, fucking um, Nick Fury, Nick Fury made it through as well. So, yeah, and I, I, I did think that it's possible it could be set in between, like you said, homecoming and an end game. But I, I don't think it would be, but weird. the timing is and I get and I, I'd led that same with I get. The, the industry, but this should be a fall film, not right after Endgame. Fall film, so right as Endgame, it, the trailer debuts on Endgame for fucking Far From Home. Yeah, I mean, but then you're not getting the Endgame bump, is what Sony is, is hoping that they get off of this. Is Endgame April or May? Uh, well, that's the thing. It's technically May, but there's rumors that they're bumping it up into April like they did last year. Okay, because if they did it in May, it is conceivable that it would still be in theaters when Homecoming comes out. Or not Homecoming. I keep calling it Homecoming. Yeah, far away from home or whatever. So, Now, um, do you think the third Spider-Man film will be called Home Away From Home or some other iteration of Home in the fucking No, it's, it's Home, Home on the Range, God. and it's all about Western oh, Spider-Man. Cowboy, cowboy uh, sleeveless Spider-Man. booty Spider-Man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But you can't really swing on anything because, you know, it's all low buildings and whatnot. So. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say something really stupid, but I caught myself because I'm not drinking either tonight. So uh, anything else with Spider-Man other than we're all excited and looks awesome? I just can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Do you guys right. – a question for, for that for you guys. Do you think – in that movie, they're going to portray Mysterio as a good guy that swings towards bad, or do you think the whole thing is a sham, like classically in the cartoon, where oh he makes it look like he's doing something heroic, but he's actually just in cahoots with all the bad guys, or he's just I a hundred percent think it's that yeah, yeah the latter yeah yeah that he's that be he betrayed to the public as a hero okay. yep but Check he's it. the puppet master that's causing all the fucking villainy around him yep. Yeah, because that's the exact vibe I got from that from the yeah. scene without the helmet, where he's like, "You don't want to be here," and then he jumps into the fight. Yeah, like yeah, no, totally. I think it's going to yeah. be that. You know, oddly enough, I've always kind of pictured Russell Crowe as the Furio. Okay. Have you seen Russell Crowe recently? <laughs> no, not recently. <laughs> yeah. so great. The Good Guys, I think, was the last time I saw Russell Crowe. Like, no, he would not. Him and Axel Rose kind of have the same body type. Ooh. You think Javert would make a good uh, Mysterio? Is what you're saying? I don't think Javert made a good uh, Javert. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Gladiator would have made a good Mysterio. And that was what, 90s? That was 2000. Yeah. And no, back, yeah. 2000, 2001, something like that. Here's what Russell Crowe looks like. Yeah. yeah. Totally Mysterio. Uh, or Kurt. He could do the, oh my God, he could do the biopic of Kurt. Why does he look like me now? <laughs> you need a little bit more gray in your beard, Paul. Well, I'll get there. Give it time. That's wild. <laughs> All right, we're going to go take a break and we're going to do some awesome content for our people on Patreon. And we'll be back with more stuff to talk about right after this. Okay, uh, this is Mike, your post-production editor for Breaking the Panel. If Phil were here, he'd talk to you about uh, Patreon, and uh, and he'd probably call you a dick, and he'd refer to this as a shit show of some kind. But if you, if you love the show and you love the guys, here's how you can help. Uh, go to Patreon, give us money, and we'll give you things in return. Merch! We, we have merch! Merchandise! We got uh, mugs, we got t-shirts, and there may be other things. I haven't actually gone there to look yet, but I know Charles has said the words mugs and t-shirts. So uh, it's tiny.cc slash GSTU merch. Buy the merch. Oh, there's a link on our website as well. So go to the Breaking the Panel page, click on the link, go to the uh, merch website, buy the merch, and we get money. So any way you want to look at it, give us money. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, we're back. That's awesome, man. All right, so I don't know who brought this to the table. This is a Chris Wisdom story all day long. Brian Singer is a fucking monster. Go whoever wants to talk about that, because I saw, I see the tagline underneath it. I don't, I don't see what he did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> has been roasted. We have to shut the show down. Thank you. So, so th- this this stems from a article from variety where which is you know if it shows up in variety there's there's got to be some legitimacy to it in my opinion i agree um being that it is an industry rag that you know is somewhat prestigious and important uh but basically brian singer has been accused of even more inappropriate sexual conduct with underage men uh this time in, in a new report, four men come forward uh, that say they were teenagers in the late 90s. Uh, one of the men, Victor Valdovino, says he was a 13-year-old extra on the set of Apt Pupil when Singer fondled his genitals. We're not going to get into the explicit details of everything that he's been accused of, but basically uh, another young man who was 15 said that he had sex with Singer when he was 15, a 17-year-old uh another one who said he was 17 or 18. And this would be, you know, in the time when singers in his late twenties, early thirties. So no matter, you know, what you think of that, like weird 17, 18 year old situation in a lot of States and and areas, uh, some of this stuff is definitely pretty egregious. Uh, Obviously these are allegations. Um, He hasn't been convicted of anything. Uh, I came up with the tagline that he's a fucking monster um, I am inclined to believe this stuff because there's such a monumental volume of accusations levied at Singer as we, because, and we also know that um, 
similar accusations were floating around before everything broke out with Kevin Spacey. Singer had been accused of this stuff publicly before. Uh, Spacey had kind of flown under the radar, but Singer and Spacey have been known to hang out together. Uh, they've been known to have these big lavish parties together at Singer's place and, and other places. And a lot of the, I mean, I've, I've seen posts on Reddit, for example, of people who've worked in the industry or like catered parties and stuff who've been at places, these places and seen this kind of stuff. People who were in the theater who interacted with Spacey, that this has been a known thing among a handful of people for a long time, over a decade. It's been a, a, been a big deal. And it's been the industry's ugly secret for a long time. And uh, yeah, so more accusations come forward. Also, it's noteworthy that Singer got pulled off of Bohemian Rhapsody last year, basically fired with, you know, I think it was like three quarters of the production finished for, for some nonsense as well. So it's, it's not looking good for Brian Singer. Um, yeah, this isn't really so much to celebrate in uh, him getting called out, but it is to say that shit's coming to a head and uh he he denies it of course he says that these pieces are uh you know homophobic uh now slur, i have a question about that part because i don't follow any of this shit i don't care what your sexual identity is where it's your business my question is was he publicly gay before this as opposed to um he didn't pull a space. He's been okay, out for spacey. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's all I was asking. Yeah. Um, because yeah, that spacey thing was like, okay, come on, man. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I remember I, on the show, I was like, yeah, when it first broke and spacey did, I was like, okay, let's see, you know, let's see what happens. We have to let this play out for a couple of days to, to see if it's just flashing the pan, if it's whatever. And it turned out to be obviously real. Oh, no, we're still yeah. figuring out what's going on with Mr. With spacey. spacey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, that fucking YouTube video, man. Oh, yeah. Um, I will see. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's some other stuff pending that are actual cases right now. So. It's also kind of noteworthy. All right, yeah. So Singer was fired two weeks before the end of production on Bohemian Rhapsody in December of uh, 2017. Their film received five Academy Award nominations on Tuesday, including Best Picture and Best Actor, Singer remains a credited director, but was not nominated for best director. I think that's a pretty clear statement from the Academy. Like that's intentional. I would think whether it's related to these allegations or not, you know, and whether it should be is an entirely different conversation, but um, his next uh, scheduled project is red Sonia for millennium films. I I've seen a lot of folks who really care about red Sonia that just wish that this would not happen, that they would get somebody else to do it. They don't want him touching it. Um, they especially don't want him touching it because, you know, we have all of this unresolved allegation and, and among other issues. I mean, his, his, his issues aren't strictly limited to sexual related allegations. It's, he can also make some really shitty films. Well, he's made some shitty films, but and he's made some great films, mm-hmm. but he's also like he flipped out on the set of Bohemian Rhapsody. He like threw a fit and that's part of why he got fired. Like he he's kind of a, a prima donna for lack of a better term. I can't find the article, but I'm almost positive I remember reading that Malik was the driving force to get him replaced. Yeah. 
But, you know, due to the Directors Guild of America, since it was only the last two weeks of filming, he doesn't have to share directing credits no. with uh, mm. um, Fletcher. Dexter, well, that's. Yeah, Dexter Fletcher. I, and to be fair, two weeks, that's not such no, a big no, deal. No, 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 no. It's not Come, like a Josh Whedon. Yeah. I was going to say, how much more filming was to be done in two weeks? Like, what was the percent of completed movie by that point? Well, you you have you probably have your pickups and stuff, but then um, obviously, you know, po- he's not around for post-production, yeah. which, which is a big point, you know, because generally the director sits with the editor and yeah. they piece the film together together. And obviously he wasn't involved for that. Uh, from my understanding, Brian May stepped up in a big way to really help oversee a lot of the production as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's shaky times for Brian Singer. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I just, it, it brings, so th- there's a Reddit thread about this. It's got, thousands of comments in it but somebody was like well you know wait until the academy awards when they're gonna make this heavy-handed statement about you know what's right or wrong morally in regards to you know like me too type stuff and all that kind of thing and they're gonna but this is the same community that will give a standing ovation for roman polanski you know and other people who've been accused of heinous sexual crime And so, and obviously, you know, Woody Allen is still, uh, we've talked about that in the past, how I I don't know what to think about the Woody Allen situation, but he's controversial and he's been celebrated a number of times. Uh, Yeah, it's, oh yeah, here's a comment. He's like, right, I wonder how many people who gave Roman Polanski a standing ovation are going to congratulate themselves for believing accusers this time around. It's a fair criticism. Uh, The argument has been made that the industry protects these people. And we know that's the case with Spacey to a certain extent because we know studios have made things go away. We know we absolutely know it's a thing with Weinstein, you know, right? Yeah, like their their company paid money out to make people go away. Like holy shit, dude! So I I, I mostly brought this to the table to kind of remind people too, like it, this isn't over. Like Hollywood dealing with its skeletons still needs to happen, and it's time for the. I don't. Yeah. This shit needs to get resolved. And well, I, I have a question for you guys, uh, sort of an opinion, I suppose. Sure. Um, so can you still enjoy or watch the movies of those people knowing what they've done? I know a lot of people have been like, well, can't watch that ever again. Or I can't see another movie with Kevin Spacey in it because, you know, all that stuff. Or can you guys separate reality the art. from the, the art. art from the artist? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, personal decision that you have to make yeah. for each yeah. different person. Yeah, no, I was just curious. On no, your because I mean, you know, it, it really comes down on your personal beliefs about the, you know, when it comes to musicians, a lot of musicians were, f- John Lennon was a terrible human. Like mm-hmm. he would beat the shit out of his wives, but g- fuck was his music good, you know? But then you look at, you know, Bill Cosby, and when I'm watching Ghost Dad, I'm just like, that dude's drugging and raping everybody on set. Leonard Part 6. So, oh, you know. But but the Cosby <laughs> show, it's like, holy shit, it's a whole different world there. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the Carmichael show on NBC, it's a black family co- uh, comedy, actually addressed the whole thing with Cosby. And so the, the main character, Gerard, he gets tickets to go see Cosby. 
while he's on trial. You know, and this episode was from like a year or two ago on sure. trial for the sexual assault allegations. And they have a whole conversation. One of the things I really like about that show, Carmichael's show does a really good job of, it does something similar to what Blackish does, where they take an issue, they tackle it through the course of the, the episode, they make you laugh a bunch, and then they, they, they don't always resolve it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes they just leave the question up for people to, to stew on. But you look at Cosby, and Cosby's a perfect example of somebody who paved the road for black comics. You know what I mean? Like he, he revolutionized comedy for black comics and there are uh, Dave Chappelle, you know, when he did his, his comeback specials uh, like a year or two ago with Netflix, he had some really homophobic shit in his act and people called him out for it. And it's like Dave Chappelle's a genius. Like Dave Chappelle has put out some of the funniest and most, you know, cutting social commentary through comedy ever. I mean, you know, Chappelle's show was one of the most amazing things that's ever been done. Uh, so sometimes, yeah, you know, sometimes you it's a personal decision. I also think it's case by case. Um, I can still acknowledge that Kevin Spacey is an incredible actor. He's a terrible human being, though. Yeah. And so when you talk about Kevin Spacey, say, in American Beauty, that film doesn't I don't feel like I ever want to watch that film again. Because yeah. the movie was creepy anyways, but right. Right. Well, because it makes it feel like it's a documentary of this person, yeah. not and also like uh, Frank Underwood from um, House of Cards. You start to feel that Frank Underwood's not so much a character as just an aspect of Kevin Spacey's personality. Um, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. You know, he's involved in a really. That's he, that, is that the. John Cusick? No, yeah. it's not John Cusick. Yeah, is it? Uh, John Cusack, yeah, is a murder. The murder mystery thing? Yeah. In that, in that film, if I recall the plot correctly, because it's been like 20 years, but I believe his character is in a sexual relationship with a very young man. That makes that very real now. You know what I mean? Like in a, in a creepy way, you know? Uh, so it's like stuff like that. It's tough. Um, Woody Allen, you know, a lot of people... Woody Allen's movies, some of them are timeless. Some of his, you know, some of the, his writing and, and whatnot is, is incredible. It's been massively influential. And like Phil said, you know, you get the same thing in music, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Axl Rose, we mentioned, we name dropped him earlier. Axl Rose is a really shit tier person in, in the amount of fuckery he's engaged in, in his career, particularly in the, how many shows he's walked out on in the middle of how many shows he hasn't shown up for. I mean, there, there's literally been thousands of fans of his that have been put out because he is, you know, the prima donna, the rock and roll prima donna, but he wrote in his heyday, he wrote some incredible music and he performed, he's an incredible performer and it, it was deeply influential at the time. Uh, you know, obviously John Lennon as well. And there are others, uh, the same thing in sports, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest basketball players of all time has rape allegations, mm -hmm. you know, he settled them, but, uh, Michael Jordan, he, he's the legend. He's largely, he's go. Yeah, largely held up as the GOAT, as the greatest of all time. And he has a massive gambling issue. Yeah. And he's a huge asshole. Like, people who have, like, wait, wait staff that have taken care of him and stuff have been like, yeah, he's a horrible person. Mm -hmm. There's a great story of uh, him and Charles Barkley having dinner someplace once. And he stiffs the, the waiter or waitress and Barkley tips and tips heavy. 
to make up for it. And he's like, dude, come on, we've got more, you know, and Barkley's attitude was, we got more money than we know what to do with. Like, why would you be like that? Charles Barkley should never have to create anybody on social. (laughs) 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 Right. Uh, I mean, Michael Jordan, people allege that his father was killed over his gambling debts. Right. That was a thing. That was a huge thing when I was a kid, you know, when we were kids, like that was a really big fucking deal. His father could have been murdered, but he's still one of the greatest basketball players of all time in current sports. Tom Brady is a dickhead. I, I, as a Pats fan, I'm willing to say it. I'm going to just own it, but he's in contention in the conversation about among the goats, among the greatest of all time. So yeah, no, it's just because you're an incredible artist you know, or, or, prof- you know, professional sports player or something like that doesn't necessarily mean that we can look past your shortcomings, but at the same time, it doesn't invalidate your accomplishments either. It's, it's really complicated and shitty and it. I just wish people would be better. So we weren't put in this position. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm sorry, Charles. That's fine. Yeah. No, I'm just uh, like, um, for me personally, my personal ones that are fucked up people, but I'm just like, there's still ugh, shit. This is hard. Uh, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, anybody, uh, the fucking Pete Townsend in the mm-hmm. zoo was caught with child pornography. And mm-hmm. Bill Murray fucking beat the shit out of every wife he ever had. Oh, I didn't know that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's nice to me. Yeah, it sucks. But yeah, I mean, Bing Crosby on film, always a oh, yeah. super nice guy. Uh, everybody loves him. Great songs beat the fucking bullshit out of his kids yeah we know how you learned how to parent we get it <laughs> i saw the vhs tape at your house when i was there <laughs> you masturbating that's why he got that email message because i was watching that vhs tape <laughs> um i just wish fans would realize and this is no excuse for bad behavior now, let me lead in with this karma is a real thing and you will fucking get what's coming to you. If you mm-hmm. felt like when I think you built your career on being horrible to people, he is going to get it a thousand times back. I mean, it's going to be horrible for him for every day going forward from when he got called out with last year. Look at Louis, Louis. Yeah, CK. I, can't even talk yeah. about that fucking dude. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I mean, that's the perfect example of somebody who did their bad shit when they were a nobody. Yep. And it, it came back, back on you. Yeah, it, and, I mean, it, it, it took him out while he was on top. He says he lost fifty-four million dollars the moment that that story broke. Oh yeah, because he was in—he was—he had finished a movie. He was about to release it, a movie. Yep. They didn't even put it out there. He lost all of his—he uh, lost his TV show, I think. He lost uh, yeah. his stand-up Every- stuff. Now it's kind of funny because he pretty much just said all that stuff in his stand-up comedy. But it's like, oh, he just says horrible things. I mean, I still think his stand-up's funny as hell, but it is a little weird. Well, and again, you know, that goat conversation, I still think he's one of the greatest modern comics, but he's going to have a secondary career someday, but it's going to be, well, I I think it's coming soon. And I'm going to tell you watching somebody like, um, uh, fuck Uh, what the, the gentleman from SNL who used to do the weekend update. Chevy Chase. Nope. Um, Dennis Miller, Dennis Miller. Had a first half career was going in one way, yeah. And then 
went a separate opposite direction for his second half of his career. Do you, do you think he's going to turn into a Dennis Miller? Where yes, a hundred percent. Well, my only percent. My only issue with that is in the current climate, where it is, everyone is very confrontational and warrior esque. I mean, SJW for a reason. But like he did, he did some show, and they taped it and like put it out, and they're like, "Look at he's still saying awful things." Well, yeah, that's his act. That's what he does. But like, it caused a big hullabaloo for a while. Yeah, I'm assuming every time he tries to do a show, that's what's going to happen. So I, I heard that show, and I heard a lot of laughter and a lot of clapping. You know, they, they did, but the yeah. internet is another monster. Well, but he, here's the thing, though: if you pull in Dennis Miller, okay. If he becomes the voice of I'm not politically correct, if he pivots his career to be I'm just going to say it how it is and whatever, I mean, there there's a lot of people who wear red hats in this country that would start supporting a guy like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and outside of the United States as well, there's a lot of people in this world who are tired of, you know, social sensitivity and social or uh, political correctness and all that kind of stuff. And they would support someone who basically donned the crown of, you know what, if you're going to try to destroy me, I'm going to rise up and be the king of nasty bullshit. You know, like he could essentially pivot into being a Bill real, Bill. like Andrew Dice Clay type, you know what I mean? But not obviously not just the shock swearing and vulgarity, but like the, just the whole, I'm going to be as vile as possible because you're going to vilify me no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, so Bill Maher, but on the other side of the scale. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was just going to say, and y'all are touching on the point, is the best, the most creative people are the most damaged people. Mm-hmm. Have shit wrong with them. We have shit wrong with us. To be creative comes from a place of damage a lot of times. Now, there's beauty in it. There's all kind of amazing things people can do. And I said it earlier, it does not excuse bad behavior. But to Dennis's point, and all of you are correct, it is a personal thing. But I, I said it on the show, I watched Baby Driver after we talked about everything that was going on with Spacey. And I'm watching that movie going, God, you're a horrible person, but Jesus, fuck, you're a master actor. You yeah. really were. I mean, he, it, it, it was magic watching him on screen and then going, and so going, you're a fucking wretched individual. Well, you know, I talked yeah. about um, – I talked about watching the CNN documentary of the nineties a while back and how one episode analyzed the politics of the nineties. And so it talked about Bill Clinton being a charismatic politician and he was, I remember that. I remember being a kid. He, everybody loved him. Well, everybody who supported him loved him. And even people on the other side were like, Hey, he's a likable guy. And then it comes out that he abused his power and he lied and he got away with it. Granted, he got away with it because it didn't really affect his ability to govern. But the whole point is, like, that's a guy that had everybody sold. Like, he's, oh, he's a likable guy. He's, you know, he's that weird, goofy jazz dude. And he abused his power and he lied under oath and he got to finish out his, you know, his terms. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, and (laughs) on the flip side, you know, uh, George Bush Sr. was a consummate statesman, you know, somebody who was a really competent leader who was not popular, who was not good at playing people, you know, like working the room and all that stuff. He wasn't super likable. Um, You might disagree with his politics or whatever, but the point is that he was a competent administrator, if you will, 
and he got crushed after one term. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's being great at something and especially being great as a chameleon, you know, like a Kevin Spacey and, and some of these other actors, it's brutal when the truth comes out, man. It's, it's yeah. cause you don't, you don't know who the real person is a lot of times. And it's, that's when you start looking at those movies and you start being like, that's a little too, too real. Now, do you think these guys will ever have a comeback similar to like Mel Gibson? Like he disappeared for a fairly decent amount of time and then he just slowly started to creep his way back into things. All right. There's a difference, right? If, if I'm wrong, Mel Gibson was just a dick. He, well, he, he was, shit. he got drunk and was doing a lot of anti-Semitic. Yeah. 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 So dick, but he wasn't abusing people. No. Power. No. I think that was probably going to be the biggest differentiation. Okay. Biggest difference. Yeah. yeah. For for some reason, we're much more willing to forgive you if you have really ignorant, like racist perspective or like a religious, you know, thing like where you you hate a certain religion or whatever. Um, but Chappelle and the homophobia. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like when they're when you if like if he beat his wife or something. And he may have, I don't know. You know what I mean? That would be kind of different. You know, I, and I don't know that he'd necessarily come back as much. I don't know that that's right or wrong, but you're not, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to say. Like Phil just predicted Louis comes back. Um, With the ADD that this society has currently, like yeah. literally every well, day there's a new story and, but I forgot about yesterday. Yeah. And it, well, here's the thing. Like it, it, I keep skirting around politics, but like, if you just look at our political sphere right now, there are people who support people on each side that do it blindly. You know what I mean? So there are people who will line up behind a famous person who says what they want to hear yeah. or does, or, or creates the content that they want to see. Um, you know, but we, they would not want that famous person to line up behind them. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> well like, look at Alex Jones, for example. Okay. This isn't, too pol- political oh, yeah. for our show. Alex that Jones is a politics. That dude's a moron. That dude's a moron. And he, he, he peddles fucking diet supplements <laughs> and he peddles, non- he peddles snake oil and conspiracy theories. And you got to keep the lights on and pay for all those Rolexes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the guy's a lunatic and there are still people who love him and there are people who believe every word he says. And then when he got deplatformed by literally everyone all at the same time, there are people who are like, where can we, you know, they're like, oh, I got to get my InfoWars fix. So there will always be people um, and there will always be people who make excuses and don't care. Uh, so, yeah, you know, some of these people are still going to be able to carve out a career. I'm sure there are people in power who support Kevin Spacey behind closed doors or support Weinstein. I, I'm sure there's people who owe those guys favors who are like, well, yeah, it's pretty shitty what you did, but I owe <laughs> Tarantino. You. Oh yeah, dude, Tarantino and, and Weinstein. He owes everything to Weinstein. Yep. He owes his whole career to the brothers and Harvey in particular. Harvey went to bat for him numerous times. I mean, he almost he almost got Uma Thurman killed. Yeah. And, and still didn't back Uma. And he loves Uma. Like his, Uma's his like greatest obsession. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's yeah, absolutely. It's a wild world, man. It's 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 crazy. Well, speaking of bad people and obsessions, uh, we have a write-in from Frank Allen. Who? We do. Who? Is it do you the, mean Aus- the Australian Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! no! Absolutely not, Frank no. Allen. Was there a line I didn't see? In- yeah, dude. Oh, that, oh wow. No, Frank- I think that that tracks. 
Frank, I mean, Frank Allen is a stand-up man. You mean Trent? Are you guys trying to say Trent? <laughs> I think you. I, I don't try. I try not to say Trent because I can't pronounce his last name. That, that's why I'm just saying Trent. Are you <laughs> yeah. Not Trent. Yeah. Uh, all right. So he wrote in about our our uh, our speaking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot, and so I'm just going to read his whole thing here because he doesn't write in very often, and oh. it's it's his little guest spot. Okay. So my gut reaction on hearing... Oh, the- can you do it in an Australian No, I can't. I don't have Chris's balance. Yeah. Just throw some crikeys in there every so often. It's fine. Okay, stab so- somebody. <laughs> stab somebody. Okay, so my gut reaction on hearing the news that my beloved Turtles are getting another cinematic reboot. Okay, cool. Let's see where they take it. On hearing the news that it's largely the same creative team behind the last two movies, fuck off. What's the goddamn point if you're not going to bring new blood in? The Bay slash Spielberg combo has proven that two big names don't necessarily make for a great end product. So if you're actu- if you're going to reboot it, actually reboot the thing. Don't just use a Hollywood buzzword and give the same people another roll of the dice. Be brave and try something different. Make Casey Jones a person of color. And when casting April O'Neil, don't choose a porn star. Melissa see- McCarthy. See, it's not that hard, guys. Now, all of that said, I think the Out of the Shadows movie got the tone of the franchise largely right. Yeah, it was goofy in parts, but shit. Look at the most successful and iconic version of the Turtles, the 90s cartoon. The very definition of goofy. While 90s humor doesn't suit today's market, unless you're Will Smith, there's a room for a lovable team of misfits who save the world with good action, charm, and heart. N- no, not the X-Men, because Fox sucks. But give, <laughs> give the Turtles reboot a Guardians-type feel to it, and it might stick. Just recently, Paul made the point that best hero movies, the best hero movies are the ones that focus on family as a theme. So too, the best turtle stories ever told are the ones with family at its core. Look at it this way. Splinter is an immigrant single parent raising four adopted brothers. Talk about a poster child for the non-conventional family unit. Side note, if you really want to read some of the best turtle stories, check out the current IDW run of TMNT comics. There's easily several movies worth of quality script in there, and they were brave enough to alter the famous origin story, and the result of which is amazing. Ultimately, I'm still holding out a little bit that this reboot, or for this reboot, they clearly learned some lessons from the first to the second movie, but I'd like to see some new names involved and thinking outside the square. It worked for Marvel with uh, Taika and DC with James Wan, so why not Turtles? But look, in the end, it can't be any worse than the current Nickelodeon reboot. Am I right? Hashtag not my Ninja Turtles. Wow. I haven't seen that Nickelodeon reboot. First off, fuck you, Frank, for telling Klotzi's right, because you know that's the only way he won't tell you you're wrong. So that's game in the system, you asshole. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it's weird, but... I don't know, man. That's all we're going to get. So, And if Frank is the network's resident Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles expert, too. By so all means, yeah. He's, he's, he's probably the closest to it of all. He's uh, a Leonardo fan. Yeah. Yeah, enough said. <laughs> uh, we also had a longtime supporter of the show, Kyle Lamming, call, uh, right into the show page on Facebook. And uh, he basically said in response to last week's conversation about the Netflix price hike, uh, he's not for it. And largely, he's in Canada, and it's a $3 price hike for them there. 
that's significantly higher than our, our one dollar at most tiers. Well, so. depending on what tier, because the the top tier is two dollars, so it'd be one dollar more than that. If it, but is it is it actually three dollars, or is it because of conversion rates? Well, I don't know, but yeah. uh, because uh, I'm not Canadian, and I told them how well, many buckets of syrup is that? Yeah, I was gonna say it's <laughs> about three quarts of maple, three now, of syrup, and a couple of joints. Now I told them that you know I was gonna call him out on the show, and and I thanked him for the comment, and I also said that since he's Canadian by default. He He's wrong. Yeah. And he's like, oh, great. You're going to pick apart my. Uh, no, it's honestly, yeah. it is. A, and he apologized to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, he did also mention, though, that it seems like every major studio is putting out their own streaming service right now. So competition's about to get fierce. Mm-hmm. And I can see that angle. You know, one of the things that Charles and I talked about is like, you have to, you might have to prioritize. So. Uh, and, and I'm going to 100% agree with him. You know, um, a buck doesn't matter to me for, for my Netflix going up. It might matter in November or December when Disney streaming service comes out. Yeah, That's what I'm nervous about because if they hit, you know, Netflix is at 11. Yeah. Ah, let's why not? Let's do 15. We're Netflix. We can afford to do that. Then it's like having a Warcraft subscription again. You know, mm-hmm. I feel obligated to constantly log in and, and get use out of that, that 15 bucks. But we'll see. We'll see what comes in all this. But at least you'd get different content all the time as opposed to Warcraft. So. Uh, you yeah, really accurate. don't. <laughs> Dead um, parents and you can talk to animals. I yeah, just wrote a Disney movie. Yeah. No, I was talking Netflix, not Disney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, here's, here's why I don't think the right hike now is going to matter in November. Because everybody will forget after it goes up the first time. It's not like it's an automatic thing. And nine times out of nine, because that's the only way you can pay, it's an automatic fucking paying thing on your credit card, debit card, whatever. And you won't know it. You go, oh, it went up. And then next month, you'll fucking forget. So by the time Disney hits, it's not going to be, well, Netflix went up. It's going to be, can I, do I really want to either jump ship, which is a pain in the ass, or add this on? And I would, I would still remind people, because uh, I'm advocating actually for the hype, because one, I want Netflix to stick around. They're my number one service. I love their shit. Hulu's number two. Amazon Prime can pretty much eat a dick, except for one or two shows that they do well. But uh, cable is still there. You don't, get, you don't get DC Universe level selection on basic cable, and it's $60 a month. Satellite. 50, 40, 50, 60 dollars a month, same thing at the bottom level. And that's what I always personally have compared it to because I had that stuff going, all right, if I were going to get my shows, what I want to watch between Hulu and Netflix, I think I spend 30-ish dollars, 30, between 30 and 40 dollars a month, whatever. I had the top tier plans for both Hulu. I don't have the live, but I have the top tier non-live Hulu plan, which I think is 12 bucks a month and the top tier Netflix plan. Welcome to the part of the show where Charles talks and they start memeing the fuck out of each other and you nope. can't see it. That, I can't. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here listening this whole time, Charles. Just letting you. Well, now I'm hitting it here. About to <laughs> My brain's not working fucking fast enough to send memes tonight. It's because it's I covered start, in snot. Feel like he's typing in class, started laughing. I can't help but be here. No, no. I'm, uh, I'm pulling up stuff for later on in the show. I, okay, I want Netflix to survive. And at this point, I'm paying maybe 40-ish bucks a month for the two main services that I use, and I love them, you know, so I'm okay with a little bit of a hike, and we tracked it was, but 
you know, it's three dollars. If if you're talking three to one, whereas you on most levels of Netflix, it's one dollar hike, but Canada's getting three. And it's not just conversion, or even if it is conversion, it doesn't really matter, right? Because they have to pay it. I want every dude. I'd love for the world to be free. I want to live in that Star Trek world where everything's just fucking handed to you, and it's free. You know, mm, that's because you're a liberal cuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just the, uh, the politically correct term is libertarian asshole. I don't know, uh, Dennis. What do you think about? <laughs> yeah, libertarians are assholes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Speaking of assholes, Dennis. On <laughs> <laughs> anything, how about that book? <laughs> yeah, how about that book? Uh, see, so the the one thing I'm curious about because it seems like everybody's getting their own streaming service is what happens. So is Disney the last big one that's coming, or is 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 there another one? That's I would coming? say the phrasing the last big one. I would say yes, but there yeah. are more services coming. NBC is pulling shit back from Netflix because they are, or they're they're raising the rates on their contracts because they're going to launch their own paid service because uh, the free service didn't do dick for NBC or ABC or anybody else because why are we watching your shit when we have Hulu? Yeah, I, I guess my concern for Netflix would be what happens when all the content that they're getting is now owned right. by all these other streaming services. It's almost going to feel like there's going to be too many streaming services and then it's going to just be getting whittled down. And I wonder if it'll just kind of go back to the way it was. So let's say they have all these different streaming services, but most of them largely turn out to be unsuccessful. Do they just get like swallowed back up into the different big streaming services again? Or how does that work? Is, is it just a matter of outlasting? Is that CBS to, one still around? You want me yeah. to explain capitalism to you? I mean, I, I don't know what you want here, Dennis. Well, no, no, I'm just saying. So I, I, I don't really care about the price hike. I don't. I mean, it does. It's still not that much because what oh, was it? Eleven turns into Dennis here. I mean, calm down. Well, you know, we know that one less hot dog I have to eat. So we, I can tell that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna eat into hot dogs. I'll find that change in the couch. Don't you worry. How many hot dogs can I get for this change? <laughs> um, but yeah, so when when you guys, because I just listened to last week's BTP um, this morning, and I, I, while I was sitting here, actually, I was thinking, I wonder if the government shutdown is going to have an impact on Netflix because. If you can't afford anything, you're going to cancel it. Then what happens when you get money and you haven't had Netflix for a while? Do you come back like a junkie or you're like, well, I didn't have it for like a month. Do I really need it? And then they lose a bunch of sales. Like, So okay. believe, believe yeah. it or not, um, the opposite actually happens. The yeah. opposite. Okay. Yeah. When, when, well, when um, – because if you look at the 2008 recession, <clears throat> uh, when – you get an economic downturn and people have financial issues. They actually tend to prioritize entertainment over other things. So mm -hmm. if you're stuck at home, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're on furlough, you're a government worker or whatever, uh, or you're in any of the numerous things that are impacted by the current government shutdown here in the United States. Uh, does, you're probably, you've got nothing but time to binge stuff, especially yeah. if you're on furlough because you're in limbo. <laughs> you're like, I have a job. I just can't go to it. You know what I mean? So you're going to, you're going to keep something like Netflix or whatever. You might trim down which ones you keep, but Netflix is probably the last on the list to go. I would think just because of its wide breadth of content. Mm -hmm. You're not wrong, but let me quick ask before we move on. 
what has Netflix original series have you glommed onto recently that you care about? Oh, Frankie and Gracie, Grace and Frankie, Grace and Frankie's uh, all a good Netflix stuff, which will be canceled after they air. But but that's the thing. I mean, like you have all of Marvel done. Yeah. You have... No, Marvel's not done yet. There's one more coming. But yeah. But but yeah, oh yeah, as an as an idea, yeah. yeah you you have you know, um, um, I'm sorry, uh, Orange is the New Black that finishes this year. You know, you have all these House of Cards, House of Cards done. done. Yeah. So except for like some of these things that they're picking up from the BBC and stamping a Netflix original on it, mm-hmm. I can't really think of too many more Netflix original content that well, would be worth. Wild. I've been watching. I actually been watching more original Netflix content. Oddly enough, Black Mirror. Uh, but isn't that just a BBC purchase that they threw could. a fucking label on? It's it a could, co-production. But it works. You know, I mean, it's still we're not going to get to see it unless it's on Netflix right now in the U.S. Uh, um, I said Grace and Frankie, uh, The Fix, which is felt like they made it for Netflix because the way they reference things, but it could be a, a co-production with the BBC. Um, does the BBC have its own streaming service? I thought that's where Doctor Who went. Uh, they're going to have one. They're uh, going okay. to. They pulled it and put it on to Amazon. Oh, uh, okay. And to answer your point, Dennis, if they fail, if the other streaming services fail, they'll just restart. Okay, who wants to pay for this contract to have friends put up? And, and Netflix will sweep back in or Hulu or somebody else. Uh, so there's that. But when I lost my job in 2013, we absolutely had to prioritize every damn penny and at the time, I think we were spending 11 bucks, 10, 11 bucks for Netflix. And we're like, for $11, we can't go out. I mean, we can't do anything for $11 yeah. and entertain the kids like Netflix can. And even now today, let's say I would lose my job again, have to get back on the hustle. For $15 a month, I cannot entertain the family like I can with Netflix. Yeah, you can't rival mm-hmm. yeah. the, the amount of reach that that has. Um, so I'm looking at their website for stuff that they've got. I mean, they have... A series of unfortunate events, Orange is the oh, yeah, New Black, Narcos and Narcos Mexico. Um, they have Big Mouth and they have Castlevania. Stranger Things. Uh, they have a whole bunch of anime. Stranger Things. Yeah, they do. Uh, they got The Crown, um, Friends from College, which is actually supposed to be great. Oh, The Crown's doing really well. Um, they do have a bunch of you know BBC and other British pickups. Uh Carmen Sandiego, the new show, by the way, is supposed to be quite good. We're going to talk about that if we ever get There's it. There's a bodyguard show that I heard is good. Uh, I that's good, too, yeah. They've got, uh, you know, 13 Reasons Why, which has two seasons. They have Haunting a Hill House, which is incredible. They have all of the Trailer Park Boys. Because part of what Netflix, and obviously Black Mirror and some other stuff, they also have some, like, less high-profile shows and whatnot. It's not strictly what's coming out month to month there is such a back catalog at this point of stuff that you could run through depending on your interests that you literally uh, sabrina you know what i mean like sabrina has a whole bunch of content already Travelers, watching that making a murderer if you just want to like travelers destroy yeah. your faith in uh the, the justice system <laughs> frontier which is the uh jason momoa uh, Canadian co-production project, which is actually quite good. Lost in Space, which I love. Like, I'm just looking at, this is just recent stuff. Um, Plus movies. 
documentaries is where they've been kicking out. Um, yeah, the documentaries. All the animated stuff, like they have Troll Hunters. Uh, they've got, which is. I new- get your point, Klaus. Good job. You got me. Yeah, I got you, you motherfucker. God, that Godzilla <laughs> movie sucked. Here, but here's. them all so much. <laughs> Just have to say that. Wait, wait, what movies? Those fucking Godzilla animated movies they made. Oh. They're so bad. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to get through that first one, and, I, and it's just not. Like, they don't get better. Okay. Stop, they don't stop. get better. They got Voltron on the last lap. No, anyways, my point is that they, depending on what you're into, there's a lot there. Arrested Development's on Netflix, dude. Come on. Like, there's there's you, so much right. stuff. You just lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I expected. Netflix broke my heart when they got rid of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Or lost it, I should say. Yeah, they lost yeah. it at Hulu. It's on Hulu now. Makes me yeah. sad. Oh, well, you know, that will segue into uh, watching, reading, and playing for this week. Uh, does anybody want to go first? I'm thinking about this. Con- okay, Phil. I'll go first. I watch Carmen San Diego, and I don't know who that show is made for. Yeah. <laughs> now, with that said, it was, it was really, it was an entertaining program. Um, I watched only one episode. But I know after that one episode that it was not for me. And okay. I don't I don't know who it's for because I think my niece who is fifteen will not give a damn about it. The generation who grew up with Carmen San Diego like us and, and my other thirty two or thirty three year olds, I didn't feel a connection to it. So the only person I can think of is like a 25 to 29 year old person who grew up with Kim possible. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I've heard a lot of comparisons to Kim possible. It's just, it was very strange. And I hear like, it just gets bananas. But, you know, after one episode, I just said, you know what? I can't, I can't commit to this if it's not grabbing me. So what I did go over to watch and fell immediately back in love with was the Orville. Mm-hmm. Was season two out? Season yep. two is not out for <sighs> me yet because I am in the middle of season one. And I have told you guys, I've told everybody, I don't care about Star Trek. And this show makes me kind of want to watch Star Trek. Well, yeah, because you're watching Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're watching- I, this is, it feels like TNG to me. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. It, it really is. It's it's and, basically TNG with dick and fart jokes. Yeah, and I've had such a ball with it. Like I just got through the Krill episode where he has to decide to save millions of people on a planet or kill the hundreds of Krill who he went over to talk to in a peace treaty, you know, to try to settle the sides between him and his rivaling rivaling faction. It's just I've had a lot of fun. I watched it live and didn't really get into it, but recently I just got a bug up my ass and started watching it, and I've enjoyed the fuck out of it. Yeah, it's on yeah. Hulu. The last thing I'll talk about that I watched um, from start to finish is on T um, on Netflix. They are they're airing the special of Conan abroad, uh, Conan without borders, which if you're a Conan O'Brien fan. Um, he goes to different countries around the world to kind of have it almost like an Anthony Bourdain esque experience, mm-hmm. but trying to put out positivity to different countries. It was a lot more serious than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. Awesome. With that, 
with that said, you know, he has his silly episodes when he goes to Italy and when he goes to Mexico. But like there was one in there where he goes to Israel and Palestine. And, you know, walks the dividing wall and just gets like real with the people. And it's just like, holy shit, Conan, you know, you're one of my uh, comedic heroes and you just going there to like figure out and talk to the actual people instead of just being, you know, watching it on the news was incredible. You know, he went down to Haiti to talk to local Haitians and, and let them, you know, get their voice out and to show how beautiful their country really is. So it was just, it was, it was good. It was a lot better than I expected a lot more serious than I expected. That's on Netflix and it's only about six or seven episodes. So I would check it out. And that's, uh, that's what I watched this week. You, you, before I jump into mine, you just reminded me that um, Parts Unknown just started back up with the last season. Yep. So that's going to be a thing. That's going to be a tough watch, I think. Yep. It's going to be be a rough rough few few weeks. Uh, for me, uh, over the weekend was the pre-release for the new Magic set, which I'm back on the crack say Tristan and my roommate were playing the fuck out of it since what Thursday night Friday yeah. night I forget where. yeah thir- Thursday it was released on Magic Arena uh the sealed was and then Friday uh drafts were released I've been playing it on Arena I've been playing it in real life um I went to uh my local shop and played in three pre-releases we got hit we were supposed to have five this weekend but we got hit by a nasty storm late on Saturday in the northeast uh, where we got like a foot of snow dumped on us. So uh, we they canceled the second tournament on Saturday and everything on Sunday at my local shop. So I played Friday night at midnight, went home, slept for a little while, came back at noon, played at noon. Um, noon was a non-traditional pre-release where it was an extra $5 buy-in for a way more prize potential. Uh, I did not do well in I, I three uh basically it's four rounds in a pre-release normally and i won my first three rounds and then drew in the last round a split prize in both the first and third event i played in so basically i did well i did good i did i I lived the dream uh the big event though i did not do as well and i just kind of got boned a little bit but it's uh, i will say this if you are a fan of magic and you were wondering about whether this set was worth playing either on arena or in paper it is a dope set it is really fun. Uh, the interactions are great. I have, yeah, it has rekindled my desire to play the game. I don't know that I'm going to bother, you know, going crazy in paper magic, but I'm definitely going to be playing a lot more arena. I'm probably going to be streaming it. Um, yeah. So other than that, that's really been my focus for the last week or so has been largely that. As somebody who knows absolutely zero about magic, mm-hmm. it has been an entertaining game to watch yeah and yeah. I've, I've watched i've watched maybe three or four different streamers doing um mtga yeah and it's just it's fascinating um the the i it's just it, i check it out man it's it, if you're even curious it's great what's really cool is this format right now what's on mtga with the sets that are available uh the constructed format and even the limited stuff the uh you know the draft and the sealed decks there are a lot of complex interactions and stuff 
that make it really entertaining to watch yeah. because there, there are times in magic's history where it's very straightforward and not very fun to watch. It's just like, yep, I play a dude, play another dude. I kill that dude. I do this thing, but there are some really crazy interactions right now. Um, there's, there's one deck in particular that is not cool at all. And people who play it should be dragged out in the street and executed. Ah, the Murloc deck. No, no, no. The, the, <laughs> or no, the uh, so it's, there's a card called Nexus of Fate uh, that lets you take an extra turn and then it shuffles back into your deck. And the, the deck is literally entirely card draw and mana ramping so that you keep casting this fucking spell over and over and over again and take all these extra turns, but you never win the game. You have like one win con in your entire 60 card deck. Super dumb. Those are my favorite ways to win games. Attrition. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just grind them out with doing nothing for an I hour. I did that once with Talisman, who was my greatest oh, victory yeah. ever. But yeah, it's super dope. I've really been enjoying it. Um, I'm probably going to sell all the cards I got from pre-release because, you know, when sets first come out, the cards are worth more. And yeah. Paul, I have a quick question about that. Um, does it allow you to sell your digital cards? No. Uh, so Arena has a closed system, collection system that's similar to Hearthstone's, where, uh, so if you, okay, if you draft or do sealed, you keep the cards you open up to four copies, because four is the maximum copies in, in uh, Magic. Beyond that, they just disappear. If you open packs, um, you know, you fill in your, your play sets until you hit four. But when you hit four with a card, you get credit towards what's called wild cards, which is basically like there's no dusting like there were, was in Hearthstone. So you can't craft, but the yeah. wild cards let you craft cards. And so you earn wild cards by opening more packs and stuff like that. And uh, basically, yeah. So once you get to four of a card, you start getting more. And they just did a patch, a balance patch, where uh, now if you get rares and mythics, like if you fill out a set, if you get the full set for a set and you keep playing it and you keep, or you keep opening packs for it, you earn actual currency now. You earn the, the premium currency for your duplicates, which is a huge change. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really generous in that regard. It's a little tough to get rare and mythics. Um, it's a bit of a grind. But commons and uncommons are pretty readily available, and there's plenty of decks you can play that are mostly commons and uncommons. It's pretty accessible right now. I would argue it's easily as access accessible, if not more, than Hearthstone has been at any given point. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I know zero, and I'm very tempted to <laughs> fucking yes. start downloading it. But I've, I've played Magic in real life a little bit. It is fun as long as you're not playing against somebody who doesn't want to help somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and just shits on your face for, you know, however long you can stand it. Um, but like I, I went to a, a, a board game party and me and the other guy lost real early. So he just pulled out boxes of like pre-made decks and he goes, all right, pick one. And we were just playing through and it was a lot of fun, even though sometimes the decks I was going up against were completely broken or I didn't know how I was supposed to play this, but the mechanics weren't, terribly hard to understand especially if you've played like hearthstone or yeah or games but it is different uh the big thing for me um so i've been trying to do some drafts and stuff and i the my favorite thing about magic is playing to your outs like being in a situation where 
you both are playing everything you can to try to get an advantage in the game to run away with the game and just like it keeps going back and forth and then like getting there and in my drafts i have found a lot more often than many other sets i have run into situations where my play skill like my personal skill as a player my ability to analyze the situation and to take risks when i need to to get ahead on life and all that kind of stuff has been like incredibly important and is produce some wins for me i've also just gotten blown out like uh i didn't hit lands in one game and my dude the the dude across from me literally went turn two dude turn three dude turn four dude turn five two dudes and i just i could never get back in the game um but it's it's really good right now and i i have seen some really shitty sets and some really shitty times in magic's history where it was not fun to play uh, particularly when sean and i quit playing we quit playing paper magic because uh the the standard competitive scene for constructed decks revolved around this four drop rhino that came into play and just like you gained a shitload of life and it did some, I forget exactly everything that it did but every good deck revolved around it and it was just like such a slog and it wasn't fun um, that's not the case there's a ton of different decks going on right now for constructed and the limited environment is dope so can't say enough good things what about you, Dan? What have you been up to? So I haven't been playing a ton of things outside of the stuff that I'm playing on stream. Uh, but as far as watching, uh, I already mentioned I watched the third of the Netflix animated Godzilla films. I'm a huge Godzilla fan. Um, yeah. It's behind me right here. Uh, but the, the thing that I hate about the animated movies. Now the, the live action ones do it to a certain extent where the movie's not really about Godzilla. It's mostly the people centered or whatever, mm-hmm. but the animated ones go even further than that. Yeah. Oh. Where literally Godzilla's like barely in it at all. Does serves no purpose. The third movie, he's literally saved by the people. Like he, he can't do anything. He's asleep for 75% of the movie wakes up, is getting his ass kicked, and then the people have to save him, and then he just, that's it, for five minutes. Compelling. I know, it's great. Well, so the it's, whole premise is he just shows up and wrecks the Earth for no apparent reason. Yeah. They have to leave and find aliens and come back. It's like, bullshit. That's ex- not how that runs. Yeah, they explain the, that whole thing is it's like Earth's defense mechanism against King Ghidorah or some bullshit. I Whatever. It was stupid. Compelling. I know. But uh, also, this week I started watching Punisher Season 2. Yeah, um, man. I don't know how to feel about it yet. I, I, I like to make my decision based after I've watched all of it, just to see where things go with characters. Because there's uh, certain characters I don't recognize, but I think I read that they were made up just for the show. Um, the violence is on par with being excellent again. Um, ridiculous and over the top a little bit at times, which is always fun. Um, acting's been good so far. They've been doing well with the, uh, the Frank Castle character because he, he moves into Phil territory where he's a complete psychopath and everyone's like, Hey, Hey, maybe you want to not be a monster. And then he has to like sit, sit down and think about it for a bit. Me? No, no, no. Where you say, Oh, okay. I couldn't tell if you're being sarcastic. or not. No, I'm not saying you're a psychopath. I'm saying you say the Punisher is a psychopath. You That's later. why you don't watch that show. I say you're a psychopath. He's just a murderer. No, you say I'm autistic. That's different. Well, you're, you can be both. You're I, a, I, I prefer to use the term autismal. I have an yeah. autismal blend. So. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Auti- 
<laughs> yeah, Phil. Yeah. You killed him. You killed Philip. It's taken years, but I finally done it. Oh my lord! He's the, the last thing I've been watching is a whole shit ton of YouTube videos and articles on the Cthulhu mythos because I've been prepping for season four of Bot. <gasps> Yeah, buddy. 1932 New York City. Spoilers. Well, no one watches this show anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> well, it's a podcast in this form, so nobody watches because you can't hear audio. Exactly. God damn it, I fucked it up. <laughs> so, no yeah, one can hear audio. I can hear audio. All right. Uh, so that's, dude, that's grab about four or five episodes in The Punisher. Loving every second of it. I am. I'm loving Love it. I think about Phil for a brief second going, he's a murderer. Like, fuck you, Phil. And I get back to enjoying my happy spot of Punisher murdering the fuck out of people <clears throat> murdering. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I it's long Great. and dark love. I'm like every high school kid. Wow. I've been watching season three of The Magicians. Season four launches this week, I think. God damn, that show just gets better every time they put out a new episode. The only thing I know about that show is what Travis Jones has said, which is somebody has to drink like a whole thing of Minotaur cum. That's all he ever talks about <laughs> with that show. <laughs> well, we know what Travis Jones fixates on, you know. Yes. Dudes and cum, so. Uh, but I'm telling you, it, it, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, what do you mean? I, rem- I remember uh, when Bat Wiener hit, he did like six shows on it. And yeah. we got grief for talking about it for what ten minutes. Ten minutes it's featured highly in the first episode, and then again in every episode. After yeah, that. yeah. Uh, whatever, man. Uh, but the magicians, <laughs> I, I wait to binge them because there's no way I'm fucking watching this show week to week. Going, God damn it, give me the next episode. I want to be able to just binge the fuck out of it. So I'll be waiting the full six months, year, whatever it takes for it to hit Netflix again. But that's been amazing. I watched the new film IO. On Netflix, it came across that banner. It's kind of sci-fi, end of the world. It's stupid as fuckballs. I've heard of it. Is, it is, it's well acted. And that's about it. You know, it's, uh, I, I'm horrible with actor names, but it's um, Falcon from uh, the Avengers. Uh, yeah, no, not that Falcon. Oh. What is that Falcon from? I don't even recognize that Amiibo. What? No, that's from uh, Star Falco from Star Fox. Oh, I never got to play a whole lot of Star Fox. Yeah, nobody did. That's why they're not coming out. Yeah, sorry, uh, I derailed you. But it's it's uh, the actor, and he's a great actor. Uh, the female lead, they get the opposite. She's great too. It just had nothing to it, and it's one of those. It's like Inception ending where you can kind of figure out what happened, what didn't happen. I, it's it was it was just no. It was just not a good pass on that one. Uh, I watched Fire Fraud on Netflix. So last week I talked about watching the Hulu one. Netflix stomps Hulu's ass when it comes to documentaries. It just does. I was watching the Hulu one going, yeah, it's not as good as Netflix. Then I watched the Netflix one and absolutely went, yeah, Netflix has got a lock on, on these things. I want to say, though, the documentary about it, it scares me. It scares me because I see some of that guy myself. Yeah, just you believe things are now. He's a pathological liar. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but the guy, I don't see the difference at all. He's a ah, truth bender. He's uh, but it's what I, what they're talking about. Some of the people who believed in him, you know, it, he just had that charisma. That man selling the dream, and that's something I'm good at is selling the dream. And you know, we know 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you not? Are you not ahead of the game from where you were when I found you? Jobless in Greenland? Nothing. That's a deep cut from Princess Bride, Fox. I was going to say, I feel like I do know that quote. Yeah. <laughs> you should, Dennis, of all people. I know. Uh, the world's great. greatest. Um, you needed to say it in more of a nasally voice. Yeah, that's true. The soul but, patch also is distracting. So. Firefall is a great <laughs> film. Uh, uh, watch it on Netflix. It's an amazing. It's an, it, if it wasn't real, it would be a Black Mirror episode of what influencers and Instagram can do to this world. And Ugh. it fucking really happened. That was gross. It, it, yeah. It's, it blows, blows my mind that after all of that shit happened, and we watched this was last year, two years ago. It was so that long ago that the, this fire festival was supposed to be happening. And I watched it unfold on internet as Mr. Brown's did. Um, but then after he gets arrested, and I don't know if he's indicted, but he's out on bail, he starts another goddamn high end scam. Yeah, and all that. Just oh my, got to got to make that, got to make that bail money. And here's the thing: gotta earn. He got, I think, ten years in jail, a certain fine, and a vow to never be a director slash CEO ever again for any reason. And I'm like, oh great, so you just made him a very high paid consultant is what you did when he gets out of jail because he could sell shit and he's going to make a fuck ton of money. It's it's. What do you scary, what do you man. do with a guy like that though? I like don't, he, I don't know. Send him to he's, Russia. He's potentially hugely dangerous to society. Yeah, economically. President. That's well, I can tell you where he would be great <laughs> selling things that people don't want. I have a couple ideas for you, but you'll have to wait. You'll have to wait. It's going to be huge. You'll see. It's going to be the biggest thing ever. Uh, now, what if they did something like uh, they did with the guy from Catch Me If You Can, which is basically the government just sort of put him on a leash and used him. Frank Gavin, yeah, yeah, that was one. I get you could Julius Assange. Well, he but he's the problem with him is he's a pathological liar. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, Frank Abagnale wasn't like a bad dude. He didn't no, hurt no. anyone. He just yeah. he got a rush off the con and kept running the con. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, this guy is like he hurts people. You know, he takes their money. Like, mm-hmm. and he's a pathological liar. You could never trust him. So, yeah. Then uh, then. Uh, I watched Bird Box today specifically to be prepared for the show. Were you whelmed? Sufficiently whelmed? Not at all, man. I've learned one thing. As an adult, you never want to hang out with Sandra Bullock because you will fucking die. Because no adult survived. This was goddamn gravity with non-existent monsters. And I'm just going to spoil the fuck out of it for you so you don't have to go watch this shit. I already watched Geek for or listened to Geek Versus, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> um why though you never <laughs> see the monsters yeah you never understand anything's going on and it just kind of like ah, it's over and then they then she gets the monsters somehow get more powerful at the end when they're not that way through the whole thing it's like this goddamn movie makes no sense what do you mean more powerful at the end it didn't get more powerful it yeah they started doing the whispers bringing back moments from her life inside the house where they can't go somehow they can't go inside buildings by the way um but no, yeah, she's in the woods, and all of a sudden she's hearing the kids are hearing her voice telling them to take the, the blindfold off. The monsters, the non-existent monsters that are there, are talking to her. You know, doing the whole temptation to take the blindfold off. Well, they don't do that anywhere else in the film. I don't know. It's just 
Uh, you said I was going to be mad, Paul, and maybe I'm mad because you said I was going to be mad, but I was mad. I did not like that. Yeah, I knew you were going to hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you mean voices in somebody's ears constantly giving them suggestive things to do is not far off from what we do? <laughs> so, I'm just not going to If they did it. the whole film, that'd be one thing, but it just, there's no, I don't know. It was, it was interesting three quarters of the way through. I was going, I want to see the monsters. And you see the drawings of the monsters. I want to see what they see. I want to see what's going on. You never get a payoff. You don't even get eggs. Yeah, but that's the point of a movie like that. They don't show you the monster. Well, the, But the, the weird thing for me from having the entire movie spoiled for me anyways is that they just sort of categorize all crazy people as being immune without actually saying, like, they what constitutes crazy. They weren't 100% clear on that. What yeah. I read, you have to read in between the lines. So what I read in it is yes, those who have mental issues, like their brain doesn't function the way we would quote normal function, they were somewhat immune, but they became disciples of the monsters. But what I read into it is 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 a fifty fifty shot. You either saw the, whatever you saw that made you want to kill yourself. I don't know, and or you became a disciple and then you worked to make other people see the monster. Do we, do we want to workshop this a little bit? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think uh, the way I perceived it now, it's based on a book and apparently the book is a little different, but um, yeah, cause they don't, I, th- I don't think they kill themselves. I think they just cut out their eyes. So you might kill yourself, uh, but you're not, it's not a guarantee that you're um, because all the blind people at the end of the movie are supposed to be all the people that didn't die. They just cut their eyes out or something. Logically. I, I think what they're going for is that this entity, these entities that are influencing people, it's kind of like, a, it's almost like a Cthulhu-esque type thing. I think where you're like, you're overwhelmed with, with like horror. Like it shows, it, it maybe it shows you, it shows you something that want, for a rational person, it makes them want to take their own life because they just don't see a way out or whatever. It drives them insane. Um, but for the, the broken people, the, you know, the, the, the people who have mental issues such as like being sociopaths and, uh-huh. and whatnot, that's the way they've kind of always seen the world anyways, is kind of how the movie tries to explain it. Like they've always seen the world as broken or they don't and- process it. Like the one guy on the dock at the grocery store, he obviously was a kind of mentally disabled that would not process the world the way we process it. So I see what you're saying. Yep. There. And uh, so like, yeah, their, their, their perception of reality is already distorted. So th- it just aligns with it or they can adjust more readily yeah. and it doesn't challenge their, their belief. You know, it doesn't challenge their perception of what is real and not real and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, on the same way that it would a rational person. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, I saw it. Uh, the, the movie was like, it was okay. It, it was. It had cool moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now that would have been a good choose your own adventure movie. Yeah. Now it's all obvious. I mean, the way everything plays out, is super obvious. John Malkovich shined. I love seeing him again. He was good. I love. I love that. And I never remember actor's name, but the the guy at the end who had done the radio call and welcomes her into the school for the blind. He I mm-hmm. love and stuff. He's usually a side character yep. in that film, but overall, it, overall, it's just gravity on earth it just, well i haven't seen gravity so <laughs> neither well, okay gravity didn't have monsters but it's just it's that same feeling of it had george clooney in it <laughs> <laughs> but it has no payoff in the end to me it's just one of these 
oh, will you, won't you make it? Okay, whatever, blah. You know, there's just, I don't know. Didn't like it. Then I did, I, I got to meet up with Tony P. Henderson this past weekend, and we went to see Aquaman and loved it. You know, it was very good. I, I enjoyed the show. Was it, was it Hee Haw Under the Sea enough for you? <laughs> it was nothing like Hee Haw Under the Sea, which I, I fully enjoyed. Yeah, no. It's... Um, I thought everything worked. I, I totally... I'm glad that you prepped me for it and it gave me a different mindset going in, going, no, I totally get what you're saying. You can see the fights. There's specifically a fight in the middle of the film with Black Mantis that they go from Mira fighting over the wall to Aquaman and Black Mantis fighting in one shot. And it was, I loved that. I did. I thought it was very well done and colorful. I'll tell you, Paul, I don't have your proclivity for being afraid of the deep sea but when they went to the the trench mm. I, my body went <gasps> wait wait they can breathe in the water i had to tell myself they can fucking breathe in the water it just freaked me. i don't know why but my body's like oh shit are they gonna be able to hold their breath like, oh wait yeah of course they can. but it was it was it caught me it yeah caught that sure was the, 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 when, once they got to the trench it was literally like terrifying like yeah holy shit you know what i mean yeah. By the way, I have to say my highlight from the episode that I just listened to was where Charles was telling a story about how somebody told him about something in Subnock. <laughs> I'm like, this is literally the story that Paul told last episode. Yeah. Oh, dude, you mean like in the pre-show when Charles was like, oh, somebody said this thing to me. And I was like, yeah, motherfucker, that was me. That was me. <laughs> You know, I don't take credit for it. I'm just saying somebody cool somewhere told me this also thing. I remember the thing. I just don't remember who told me. So, and I'm, I'm playing catch up on on the botched D and D podcast. I'm still a few episodes back. Uh, we're working on that. Um, it's good stuff. You if you like uh, drunken misfits and and bad not bad humor like it's not funny, but bad humor like you're not going to tell your mom the jokes. Bosses for you. Oh, these are all grandma approved jokes. Grandma, grandma's a racist old bag. Let me just tell you. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> really funny you said that, considering oh, uh, we're having a grandma themed uh, botched love episode come out. On oh, what? Okay. I, well, I, botched love could be familial or uh-huh, romantic. Nope. nope. I, nope. Not incestuous. Nope. No, it's in nope. there. But incest is in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am very appreciative that I am not at that patron level. Uh, so hey, you still need to give me your Cthulhu monster, goddammit. Hey, not the time or place. Just saying. Botched. Season four. So, Dennis, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Botched Podcast on Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, all that jazz. You can also find me on uh, twitch.tv slash Botched Podcast on Saturday nights where we do Botch Love. I stream uh, various dating simulators after getting all dressed up. Watched on Twitch is 12 follows away from affiliation. Just want to put that out there. 12 measly clicks away from being affiliated. Hit that heart button. And then on Sunday nights, I step ever closer to the precipice of suicide as I do booze and borderlands with these assholes from eight o'clock till 12 o'clock. Twitch.tv slash FTH Beyond. It's, it's really just... It's my bird box. It's just therapy. 
aversion <laughs> therapy. We just kind of we're getting you toughened up for when the real critics hit you, and you're still successful, man. That's all. It's Did you say conversion therapy? Because that's a very different thing. We're trying to make you feel like a human being. It is conversion okay. therapy. Okay. Phil, where can they find you, sir? I am at Imaginary Nomad everywhere. And even though I am ill, I have still managed to put out some streaming. I did four and a half hours last night of a, uh, you know, a, a casual Mario on a casual Tuesday. Four hours of Mario doesn't seem that casual, but yeah, I, I kind of went overboard. You know, maybe that's why I sound like shit. But yeah, check that out. Um, Paul, Paul, yeah. how are you? I'm good, buddy. I think my cold medicine kicked in. This is all <laughs> circling the drain, man. You, you, why you can find me on Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. You can find me on twitch.tv slash SoapboxGSTU. I could use some follows over there. So on your way to botched, just swing on in and, and, and give me a follow. You know who's not following me on Twitch? Anybody in here? Beyond, I'm about to do that. You motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> I do. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm looking to start streaming some more. I'll also stream on the FTH Beyond channel. When we have a gap, it's kind of weird to try to find those gaps because, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity going on over there. And uh, Sunday nights, you catch me with these mother truckers doing the Booze and Borderlands, which has been great fun for a long time. We've been doing that, what, a month now, it feels like? A little bit. I think just slightly longer, but yeah. Three or four episodes now with the four of us. Uh, it's been going really well. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you might not see me Super Bowl Sunday because I am a Pats fan, and I do want to watch that game. But if uh, if somehow my plan should fall through, maybe I will just appear. So, yeah. Charles, what about you, man? Uh, you can find me at Rock Out of Podcasting, where I'll tweet at four in the morning while Tom Waits is the most overrated asshole in music ever. Uh, you can find me on the Borderlands show on Sunday nights. Like uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Thursday nights is FGH Beyond featuring Marvel Strike Force with myself and Kurt on Twitch. So it's twitch.tv forward slash Beyond. And Pokemon Go podcast and all kind of other shenanigans throughout the world. Uh, Dragon Con 2019 submissions are now open. If you want to submit your podcast or your panel idea, rather, go on over to dragonconpodcast.com and do that tonight. All right, we're going to get out of here. We've got an imaginary countdown going on for when Chris Wisdom comes home. But until then, thanks for coming on, Dennis. I hope we don't make it a habit. Yeah, but you probably won't, but that's fine. But thank you for having me. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.